Being categorized as disabled or handicapped can feel like you're moving forward in reverse. I'm your host, Scott Martin. Join me as I talk with my new friends from this underrepresented community about their views of life through their art, poetry, sport, and writing. Hey, life's a road trip. Hop in. Let's turn on some tunes and go. passenger seat and this time on the left and managing the radio is Sandy Roberts. Sandy is a disabled digital content creator, model, disability advocate, and speaker. After becoming disabled in 2019, she was she has found joy through acceptance and recognizing that disability is not a bad word. Sandy champions mental health and po- body positivity. She has appeared on as a body confidence expert on ITV's This Morning TV spoken on BBC Radio, modeled in London Fashion Week, and has been nominated as Positive Role Model for the National Diversity Awards. Sandy works with brands to help them reach diversity, diverse communities and focuses on her content on fashion and lifestyle, creating authentic videos and static posts. Hi, Sandy. Hello there. Thanks for having me. Very good. Um, I want to uh, first touch on and, and uh, mention to the folks that they probably notice your British accents and you live in the Cotswolds. Uh, I've <laughs> been do. there. Could you please describe it? It's a wonderful, beautiful area. I think the best way of describing it is when, when anyone who doesn't live in England imagines what the countryside of England looks like, that's what the Cotswolds looks like. Okay. It's rolling green hills and pretty copses of trees and stone cottages, often with thatched roofs, but not always, and little kind of, kind of villages with cobbledy stone kind of little lanes that lead off into forests, and it's just magical, and it actually does look like that. It's beautiful. It's fantastic. <laughs> Sue and I were one of the, we went bopping around Europe uh, during the fall, and we stayed in London for five days, but when we get back there, we're going to rent a car and start going into to that area of uh, Great Britain and Scotland and so forth. I also oh. want to mention that uh, your family has been a Manchester United uh, supporters, but your your yeah. husband is a West Ham supporter. So <laughs> yeah. for the American audience, <laughs> this is the Premier League, uh, soccer, football. And yeah. I want to mention something that your poor husband is living through a season right now where last I looked, West Ham is two points from relegation. Now, the American <laughs> fans should know... If, if you were to take the NFL, National Football League, and put it in different countries, and so what happens in the Premier League, the top four teams at the end of the season move on to play in uh, a major tournament called the Champions League. So if you had the top four teams from the NFL playing there against other NFL top fours or top twos, depending on the, on the league. West Ham, on the other hand, is towards the bottom. So the bottom three teams... Uh, face relegation. So there are different tiers of football or soccer leagues in uh, uh, England. And if you get relegated, you move down. So think of the New York Yankees having a terrible season. And next year they're playing in AAA and the top AAA teams can move up. So there's a big, uh, a, a big issue for that. And I don't know if you see it. I'm, I'm wearing an Arsenal sweatshirt today. So uh, oh, yeah, I'm an Arsenal supporter. 
Yes, yeah. the donors. So I don't want to start getting talking about soccer, else I won't shut up. Um, <laughs> I I keep tabs. We keep tabs a little bit, and I, I noticed that uh, you were at a fashion. Was that the London Fashion Week for twenty twenty three? Yes. So that was last week. Uh, we have two every year, so this was the spring version, uh, and there'll be another one in the autumn. But um, yeah, it was. La- I, I think. Do you know what? I'm so so tired that the days have blended into each other but i think it was last week i have a feeling it was last yeah. week yeah i was there are some other people i keep in touch with that have that attend in there so i was i would uh, uh look that up on linkedin because they would post and okay. we were doing some posts and things it looks like you guys are having a great time though oh it was incredible incredible um there was a lot of media coverage uh, for the first time, we had a lot of media coverage uh, in the, for the for the disabled community, um, which we you know we've been trying to get for a very long time and have not been able to. It was like screaming into the void before, um, and so this time we felt like we were heard. And um, I, I genuinely, I mean, I've said it before, but um, I feel this is the moment things have shifted. I feel like there's a real difference in the air that this is when things start to change for us. Um, so I feel like there's a real energy shift here at the moment. So, yeah, it's exciting. exciting. The longer I've been doing the show, and I'm in, in the uh, second month now, I'm learning about the disability community. I am I am a part of it. I have, I'm a quad amputee. Um, but I haven't I've been on the outskirts, and I, I think I'm going to – I think I might have a platform now that we are getting a decent amount of listenership that I'm becoming an advocate for it. And I'm looking at it as if it were to follow the same path as the LGBTQ plus uh, Mm -hmm. community, follow that pattern. And things like what you just said, I think are important and it might have uh, uh, a good um, opportunity for the uh, disability community forward. Hey, I want to open with something I found about you. Uh, And it was something you wrote a while back. I was at work and they noticed how unwell I was. Suddenly my face dropped and it looked like I had had a stroke. I went to the hospital and told me I had a functional stroke, which is like a software malfunction in the brain. It's great that you put it that way. Over a few days, my face and body rebounded, but my leg movements never came back. I was discharged. I discharged myself because they said there was nothing seriously wrong with me, but I still couldn't move my legs. I had a narrative of internal am- I had a narrative of internal am- ableism. Excuse me. I just had to uh, make any fuss or bother anyone. Just didn't want to make any fuss or bother anyone. My husband bought me a wheelchair, and all of a sudden, he had to become my caregiver. They said I had a functional neurological disorder. Then I remembered that I was diagnosed three years previously, but I completely blocked it out. Could you get into more of uh, what the exact diagnosis was, please? Um, yeah, for sure. Uh, so I had this, for all intents and purposes, it's a stroke. Uh, it looked like a stroke, the same effects of a stroke, the same symptoms of a stroke. The difference is the cause. So it wasn't electrical malfunction in the brain. It was a software malfunction of the brain. Um, um, so, I mean, actually, the long-term effects, I, I did go home. I couldn't use my arms. I couldn't bathe myself. I couldn't go to the toilet for myself. I couldn't use my legs either. Um, but it was a much longer recovery than I led anyone to believe because of this internal ableism. 
so we've heard of um, all kinds of other isms. Um, so I have, I really struggle with my neuro capacity and I lose words and I've lost all the words when we are prejudiced against other things. We have okay. all of those things. We know about those. But what we don't know about is ableism. People don't aren't used to that word. Um, ageism, for exa example, we know what ageism is. Everybody knows what that is. Um, uh, sexism, we know what that is, for example. But nobody knows what ableism is. And basically, that is just um, something against somebody because they're disabled. We, we carry that ourselves internally because we've been programmed without our knowing it through society um, and through just the way that we've been brought up to just look at people with a disability as somehow less than and it can be very very subtle um, and, it, and we don't know that we're doing it so I viewed myself as a burden on my family because in my eyes at that time I couldn't provide for my family in the same way as I had before. Therefore, I felt like I wasn't worth anything. And I couldn't see past. It was so It was so binary. It was black and white. It was, I'm no longer this, therefore I am nothing. Uh, obviously, I, I'm four years down the line now. This was 2019. So um, I'm almost at the anniversary, actually, of when it happened. But um, when when your mind is so black and white, there's no room for any other um, possible existence of another reality. So if if I'm not that, then what am I? And if you've got nothing else, there is this just this void of of nothingness. So you're left with this this um, this reality that means. In the way that your brain's telling you that you don't, you 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 don't exist in in the in the world in any way in any meaningful way. It was a dreadful time for me, um, but uh, luckily, <laughs> um, I was able to pull myself up out of that space because um, some elements of uh, my functional neurological disorder. Um, which is a is a system disconnect. So it's a problem with the signalings between the brain and the body. Um, do did get better to some degree. So I was started to be able to use my hands better, um, and certain other areas of my life got easier. So I was able to look after myself in some aspects a little bit better. Um, I I found myself being able to think. Well, okay, there must be another purpose for me other than going to an office and doing a job and earning a salary and bringing that home and cleaning my purpose as I have a life force so therefore my purpose as a human being to contribute to this planet and all the other people on it must be for some other purpose than just going to an office and doing that old job that I used to do so what can I use this life force that I've been luckily you know left with what can I do with it and I, I chose to um, find a purpose that helped other people because I'd been in so much pain and so so lonely um, that I didn't want anyone to feel like that so I used I used that as a as a bit of a rocket up the bum to kind of <laughs> give myself a <laughs> a real kind of kick and think okay I, I'm not dead 
I'm not dead. I am still here. Therefore, it would be a complete waste of life force if I acted like I was. So let's not do that. Let's use this life force that I've got left in me for some kind of good purpose. And let's make the life that I've got now better than the one I had before. Because actually, when you look back at it, what was I doing? I wasn't helping anybody. I was barely existing. I was in pain all the time. I wasn't doing anything for anybody that was good. So let's just take this as an opportunity to really assess and re reset. And so that's what I did. Yeah. Do you think that that came from you or were you attending uh, um, sessions with a psychologist to try to work on what was happening with you? Where did it come from? Um, at the time, it came from <laughs> me. I wasn't seeing anybody at that point. Um, what, what happened is it all started at the same time as COVID. So, and I'd we, yeah, I know. Uh, I'd, I'd literally we got married <coughs> three months before I collapsed as well, so that wasn't helpful either. Um, and then I I sunk very low for a long time. So I I've said this in this you know couple of minutes, but that period of time with me looking into this black hole of doom <laughs> lasted for quite a while, where I felt like a complete worthless burden on my family, like I didn't didn't shouldn't be even breathing the air on this planet um i'd say probably a good nine months or so of me just feeling like i shouldn't be here was quite a long time and i i what happened then was i i felt like i was temporarily disabled i i just i didn't understand what functional neurological disorder was because the doctors had said there wasn't anything seriously wrong with me I didn't quite understand because it, it looked like it was very serious and I couldn't walk, I couldn't do anything. Um, but they said it wasn't serious. So that unfortunately came from the mouths of a doctor that didn't know what FND was. Um, and in their heads, I hadn't had a stroke that was caused by electrical currents. So it, and I wasn't dying, so it wasn't serious. But actually, FND is incredibly serious and you can die from complications from the symptoms of FND. People have died from the symptoms of FND and it can be very, very serious. And in my case, has ended up being very serious. So it's unfortunate, that wording. Um, so I think when I then went into an, um, an, uh, a live-in centre, to get treatment for FND, I went in expecting to be told, this is what we're going to do for you. And I thought I'd walk out of that clinic two weeks later uh, and be the poster child for, look, this success. Look, she's wonderful. Look how clever she is. And she's now walking out of, of this, you know, this miracle child kind of thing. Um, because I'm an A-type person. You work hard at anything, you'll achieve it. That's what I've always done my whole life. Instead, I got in there to be told that you can't cure FND. It's not a it's not a condition you can cure. It's something that when the once you've hit this, um, once the trigger has happened, you can't untrigger it. And because all of these neural neural pathways, these incorrect neural pathways, have been being created your entire life. You can't turn back time and uncreate them. 
So once that trigger has happened, then your brain starts using those incorrect neural pathways, which are physical pathways. They are actually carved in your brain. Um, you can't uncarve them and you can't undo the trigger. So it's a very, it was a big shock to me. And I had to go through this entire new processing time of, I took five days of crying solidly because I was so shocked. And, and that was a really big moment for me. But I think I needed to, to hear it because then I was like, well, okay, this is, this is reality. And until that moment, I'd been living in this fictional future in my head of where I'd be running through the fields of the Cotswolds. <laughs> and, uh, Perfect. To be told that reality was what I needed because then I could build a real future in the in this present moment this is what i've got now this is my actual life so what what do we do now uh, and i think i needed that well there's a difference I, i'm just noticing when i when i talk to people i've got my notes and i refer back to our communications that we've had probably by email or else what i've read and i had one way of thinking it didn't pop into my head until i just heard you say it you're four years out now <clears throat> i'm 30 i'm coming up on 30 years out from becoming a quad amputee. Year four, uh, I had just finished my fourth season. I was coaching college soccer football at the time. And we had our worst season ever. We were still actually ranked at the beginning of the season, but I just hit a wall. So my year four, I hit a wall. I was depressed. And I ended up just saying, hell with this. I sold everything that didn't fit in my car. My cat and I headed out west because that's where I was at year four. And then you're telling me where you were at year four. It's interesting. The difference is on, on people and how things are. I'm wondering, and well, I've always understood this about males, our ego with how we're raised. My ego was getting in the way, and I had to deal with that. And again, now we're coming up on 30 years. Um, yesterday, I just happened to be looking through a bunch of my old stuff. And I pulled out a magazine. I was on the cover, and I... And my wife, Sue, we weren't together at the time. She looked at it. She said, you look different. I said, what do you mean? I'm, I have a lot less hair now because that was right after <laughs> I got out of the hospital when that was done. And she said, you just look sad. Mm. And it's making me think back. So what you're getting into. I want to go back to what uh, you had mentioned about the black hole. And I won't read. Well, uh, you, you wrote a paragraph. Then a black hole settled over me and I felt I was uh, making it up. There was no treatment pathway offered. That's what you were saying. I was just sent home. We were just left and I was suddenly disabled and felt like a complete burden. I didn't even want to be alive. That's what you were just getting into. It makes me think of the five stages of grief, grief by Elizabeth Kubler-Ross. Denial, mm. anger, bargaining, depression, and acceptance. And one thing I always wondered about was guilt. And I heard a lot of guilt in you about you don't want to be a burden totally understand it we went through the same thing on that um so it's just sure. it's just fascinating how we all tend to go through different stages in the same way kubler ross knew what she was talking about but the guilt thing i i notice as being something that should be added to uh what she had written and yeah it's just i learn a lot from talking with you guys I'm doing the show. I'm getting as much out of it as anyone that's listened to it. So I oh, appreciate what, what you're oh. saying to me. Um, Do you know what? Yeah, go ahead. 
I was going to say, I um, I used to think of um, the the stages of guilt as uh, like the stops on a train journey that you had to go through them. And I don't think of that anymore. I think of them as uh, I'm a planet like Earth and they're my moons. And I don't think they ever go away. I think that they're just not currently in the sky and I can't see them. Because sometimes there's nothing in the sky and I'm absolutely fine. And other times there might be one in the sky and I'm really struggling with, let's just say, anger or whatever. And then there's other times there might be two in the sky or you know multiple ones that I'm struggling with and uh, and I and I never know quite what's going to come around because I haven't figured it out yet or you know their their seasons are different or whatever but I feel that is much better uh way for me to understand my processing of 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 this grief of loss of my old life and this processing I it's a cyclical kind of event um, that they just because they can it can be triggered by whatever else is going on like you say grief and this and guilt uh, I feel a lot of guilt because I didn't listen to my body properly you know when I collapsed at work with that stroke I should not have been at work I was sick with a chest infection but so much guilt yeah but you don't know what you're getting into um no when you just went off on into that realm made me think of how fake were you have you ever been fake to others that you fake yeah okay you still do it we don't fake being sick like people think we do we fake being well all the time (laughs) very good way to put it that's a great way to put it because that's that's what i know dragged me into my depression all the freaking time i faked everything because i didn't want to be a burden on anyone and how do we get to that point where people can don't feel like they have to be a burden it sounds like you've been able to tackle it pretty fast Andy. i think you said about the ego um i wonder if for me it was more my age because i don't have time for it to take a long time I'm 52 yeah. And so I was 40-something, and I I say, I just got married, and if I was going to take a long time, then I'd be dead before I was okay with it. So I don't have time to take my time. Life is too short. I just need to make the most of the time I've got. And I think, for me, probably uh, that's the biggest driver for me, time, the lack of time. Maybe it is, because I was Mm -hmm. 35 and just – started my college career and was trying to work my way up the ladder and so hey it just makes me think of something so i substitute mm-hmm. teach primarily at a high school i used to do it at a junior high starting a few years ago and there was this kid he was in eighth grade at the time and he was wheelchair bound happy go lucky and i could tell he was faking some things but he would still want to be in physical education class and stuff he was more outgoing now he's a sophomore in high school and i see him I never see him smile. I've been in the same classroom with him, I think, twice. He's just become, he implants himself in the wall, so he's not seen. It's just, I don't know what's going on with the kid. I really feel sorry for him. And I think as he's gotten a little bit older, he's now seeing it or something. He's noticing differences. 
And I think that's just terrible, but I can't say anything to him. He knows about me and because the, all the kids know about my handicap and stuff. But he just, I just feel so terrible for him. I don't know. Yeah. You've mentioned about age. Maybe it's just going to take time, but gosh darn it. He's 15, yeah. 16 years old and he's feeling terrible. Like he's yeah. not part of anything. All right, let's, let's change a little bit. <clears throat> In the intro, I read that you work with brands to help them reach diverse communities. Could you talk about how you do that, please? Uh, yes, I um, primarily at the moment uh, work on social media. I work with a brand to advertise their products to uh, audiences. And that is so that um, it works two ways. It helps the brands because they need to be seen to be uh, using um, diverse models um, so they need to tick that box. They really do. Um, but equally, uh, uh, I don't represent every kind of disabled person. Um, so I would always, always say to brands, make sure you're using a diverse range of disabled people across all um, nationalities, ages, um, genders, everything. Um, but let's, you know, do start doing that as much as possible. But we can't be what we can't see. And that was one of the things that happened when I stopped looking in inwards and started looking outwards and saying, okay, I'm ready to rejoin the world now. Um, and I actually want to be my old self, not the version of uh, a disabled person that society seems to want me to be, which is wearing, um, you know, jogging bottoms and just comfy clothes and, and hiding myself away. I want to be this loud, vivacious, bubbly gregarious woman that I always have been but how do I do that now I'm in a wheelchair because nothing looks the same so okay I'm gonna I'm gonna go to the media I'm gonna go to magazines and I'm gonna look for inspiration but I couldn't find what I was looking for and um that was really frustrating because things don't look the same when you're sat down as when you when you stood up and I'm and I'm midlife you know I'm I, well, at the time, I was very late forties, and I don't want to be looking at somebody in their twenties or thirties because they're wearing different things to me as well, or it looks different on them. So I want to see what it looks like on somebody my age who sat down. But there isn't very many of those kinds of people, and we shouldn't have just one representation of that. Do you know what I mean? I should uh -huh. have a multiple options. So I found that was really difficult. So I thought, right, I, I'm going to go ahead and do that. So I reached out. Um, I applied to a company who was hiring uh, models because um, they didn't have any um, disabled models at the time. And they, they picked me. So that's where I started, um, how I started doing it. I do have a bit of a history of doing some modeling, but that was when I was younger um, and, and nothing nothing very big just local stuff and, and sort of working with photographers and their portfolios Did, and things I, th I think i've seen you comment on uh um someone that uh um made a post and they showed the photograph of uh the gap ad with the little kid he's in cargo shorts and a nice top and he's missing his lower legs um and he has uh, uh prosthetic lower legs and here he is smiling and it's a full, probably 15 feet tall and four feet wide, uh, hanging at in a Gap store. 
And that was has been floating around and still being commented on over a week later by people in, in LinkedIn. It's just fascinating to see, and it really blew me away to see that. So by you attending things like what you did this past week at the London Fashion Show, hopefully it is starting to get uh, out and becoming mainstream. But again, like I mentioned earlier, follow the LGBTQ plus model yes. on what they've done. Um, yeah. But people like you, that's why you, I wanted you on the show was because you're a disruptor. And I think we need yeah. that. The thing is, um, people, do you know, this, this might shock you, but um, I have been uh, turned away by a by. I won't name them, but I've been turned no. away by a, um, an agency working on behalf of a brand who wouldn't work with me because they said that the customers would be put off yes. buying the things because mm-hmm. of seeing a disabled model. And um, it's not the first time I've heard it, but in my opinion, if if customers are put off by seeing real people <laughs> mm. in all form, I believe that I'm a very palatable, digestible version of a disabled person. And I don't think it's right that I'm the only type of di- disabled person brands use because there are many types of um, disabled bodies that are just as beautiful as mine that don't look like mine that are different shapes and sizes that are just as beautiful as me um that i don't believe we all have to look the same way to be acceptable and beautiful but um i i if the if if the public finds that challenging to see in my opinion that just proves we need more of it because it needs normalizing if it's shocking to see somebody that doesn't look a certain way then the only way to get over that is to see more of it, not hide it away, not lock it away, not make out that it needs to be un, un you know, to hit to be hidden. Uh, I, and it makes me really frustrated. And I, I will not at all ever condone any kind of behaviour that goes down those lines at all. I will champion and scream and shout um, and do everything I can in the opposite direction of that. Well, I, I remember about 15, 20 years maybe ago when there was a push against all the Twiggy-type models. And we don't see Twiggy all the time anymore, modeling things, you know, the stick figure. Um, that movement has taken some time, and there are actually brands that are making money off of just selling clothing to more full-sized women. Mm-hmm. But mm-hmm. here again... The disabled community has been around for a damn long time. But I've, mm-hmm. and I've had some people question me about this. I've found it to be quiet. And that's why, again, I'm reaching out to people like you, disruptors. Let's see what we can do. It, it's, you know, let's let's throw some, at least some pebbles at class houses and yeah. see if we can stir things up. Piss some people off. So maybe there'll be some attention yeah. given to things. <laughs> Um, I'm, yeah. I started doing this podcast because no one would buy my book because they said, ah, no, you, you know, it's a great story, but you need a platform. So, okay, I'll, I'll get into okay. this. But now <laughs> we're doing, but now I'm really getting caught up into this. And this is the rah-rah me coming out in it. 
let's go, you know, uh, let's go joust some, uh, some windmills, you know, let's see what we can <laughs> knock down. And again, I, I think you're part of that. Um, I want to go to your uh, website. It's called uh, search for silver linings. <clears throat> and the link is going to be on the uh, life's a road trip website, of course. And the opening paragraph states after becoming suddenly disabled in 2019 and struggling to come to terms as my life was turned upside down, I found joy through acceptance and recognizing that disability is not a bad word. Bravo. I applaud that. Um, and then, um, well, I, just you go ahead and, and talk about what spurred you on to, to create that website. And maybe it's about what we were just talking about, but just continue on, please, on, on your website. Yeah. Uh, well, I wanted to have a, a hub where people could find me, um, where I could bring everything together. Um, I, I do have my social media channels. Um, I've got the blog there. But I wanted to also be able to have a little bit of a show reel. There's a video there on the on the front page, um, and just a, kind of like a a home for everything that was to do with me, just to kind of come together so people could find me uh, that just belonged to me, that didn't belong to anyone else, didn't belong to Instagram or Facebook or YouTube or anything else. So that was that was it. But it requires a lot of work to keep these things up. And I'm just a one man band at the moment. So <laughs> it's been a bit neglected recently. <laughs> well, it's, it's good. You know, in that, uh, on the about page is the video I think you were just talking about in it. And there's a statement uh -huh. there, do not look backward, but forward. Tell us about that message. I have a feeling it's what everything is about with you. Yes, I mean, I tr I try and live by it because um, it's something I I find challenging. That's why I've, it's there to remind myself. Um, I tend to do that. I have tattoos on my arms. Uh, one says patience, and one says acceptance because they're things I need reminding. Um, I find it really difficult to let go of the things I can't change and there are things in my past that I wish I could change there are things I wish I could do differently uh, moments that are key in my past that I just if I had a time machine I wonder you know so I think it's really important for me to be really kind to myself and hold myself with tenderness and say you cannot change the past all you can do is start where you are and look forward and just make the best decision with the information you've got now and and press progress from this point with love in your heart and that's what i try to do that's what i try to do with everything everything in my life that's fantastic that's a good segue into leaving about two seconds open in case someone wants to drop an ad in here because uh, the podcast has been uh, getting some good numbers. So we're going to pause for about two seconds. Okay, we're back. <laughs> uh, <laughs> let's get into, you know, you mentioned on there, you're doing a blog and I want to get into the blog tab. And okay. there is an article from 27 July, 2022 uh, titled, uh, how very dare she? Yes. I'm 50 plus swimmer model and I'm fighting back in there. You state, gosh, it's like five or six paragraphs down. <clears throat> I know what I know, I know how I feel, and if I feel it, then I'm sure as hell that I'm not the only one. I just love that right there. Um, tell us more about that post or, you know, if you just want to go off on a tangent about that statement that you'd made. 
Um, so I think that one was about how I, I think I struggle with, as I mentioned, my capacity neurologically. So FND has really affected my um, my ability to string two words together sometimes and to connect the dots. And I used to uh, lecture at university and teach and I, I was I'm a very, very smart person. When you spoke to them, I could just talk for ages. I mean, I still can talk, but I, I find it difficult to cohesively put my thoughts together sometimes. And that's really frustrating. So it brings on imposter syndrome quite a lot. But um, I know that there's certain things inside of me that are, are bursting to come out. And I believe and trust in my gut instincts. And when uh, I think I wrote that because there was somebody, a celebrity was saying that women of a certain age should be acting a certain way. And I absolutely do not agree <laughs> with that. No. <laughs> not at all. In fact, I was interviewed about that exact thing today. Um, I don't believe that we have a limit on anything, that regardless of gender that if we are happy, we should act a certain way, as long as it's not hurting anybody. Obviously, there's a caveat there. But if something makes us happy, then we should do it. And if someone doesn't like it, then that's their business, that they're very free to go and work out and have therapy about or talk to whoever they want to about it. That's fine. I I don't need anyone to be happy about what I'm wearing or what I'm doing. I don't need them to be happy about it. I'm not going to control them. But I'm equally not going to have them controlling me and what I'm doing and what I'm wearing. So I, that's what I wrote about that post about there. <laughs> I think that carries over into maybe maybe it was coming from, uh, it was about a year later, that uh, on 7, 7 November 21, uh, the title is Disability and Segregation. You wrote, disabled people have a right to go to the ball, just like anyone else, a human right. It makes no difference if you have to prove uh, to provide a ramp, an accessible toilet, an adaptable, an adapted vehicle to get there. Whatever is needed, you make sure it's there because that is what needs to change. But whether or not the disabled people should go. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. That- and this this is um this is because I believe that disabled peace people face one of the last forms of accepted and legislated segregation in this world uh it's segregation is no longer tolerated in so much of the world um i know that could be argued but i'm talking about legalized and you know legislated segregation where we are told to go around to a different entrance. We are told that we have to use a different um, area of the building where we are allowed, especially in this country, we, we, it's legal for us to not be able to use a restaurant where our friends are because there's no bathroom for us to use. So, um, that should not be the case. And I, I think that if the reason is um, budget, then, then in my opinion, 
something else needs to go because it's a human right. And if if that bathroom wasn't provided for a non-disabled guest, then that restaurant wouldn't be open. So why is it okay for a non-disabled for a disabled person to not have a bathroom? If it's this is my issue, if it's okay for a disabled person to go into somebody's restaurant through the side alley, round the bins and through the kitchen, past all the dirty napkins and then to their table. Is that okay for everybody to do that? Would you want your restaurant critic to go through that entrance? Because I don't think that they would. So if it's not okay for everyone else, if it's not okay for everyone else, then why is it okay for us? Because they're they are stating that we are less than. It's and, and by saying that it's not illegal, it's legalized saying that we are less than. And I am I can't find the words. And I know that there'd be other people that can pretty it up with all these fancy things, but I am not okay with that. It's, it's no. not okay with me. And the rest of the world seems to have just figured out that that's okay until they join the one in five of us that are disabled because they're sick or they've had an accident or they've got old. And then they're like, hang on a second. What do you mean you don't have a bathroom that I can use? And it just happens to be down a flight of stairs. Does that, and I have to come to your restaurant and dehydrate myself. Or I have to get on a plane and not eat any food and not have a drink the entire time I'm on the plane because I can't use the bathroom or whatever situation is, you know. What are you talking about? I can't do those things. Then, then it becomes their problem. That's what that's what pisses me. That's what it, that's when it really. And I, I, people haven't figured that stuff out. They just haven't turned it around into that way of thinking. But if you if you lay it out on the line, you say, "Do you realise that you're okay with segregation?" They're like, "No, no, no, I'm not okay with segregation." Yes, actually, you are. You are okay with it. No, yeah. I was just going to say. <laughs> I used to teach social studies and history, so I have to throw out a premise in here. I, we all remember about seeing uh, uh, coloreds only or no coloreds allowed and think, you know, it's yeah. the same sort of thing you were just talking about. So that list, uh, we've been through this before, and we can't, you know, we have to remember that we're not the first ones as a group of yeah. disabled community. We're not the first ones that have to go through that. But we can learn yeah. from how that was handled took a long time in the United States for things to come around. Um, and I, and I'm, not, I'm not in any way saying it's the same. No, we just have to make sure that we're clear about it. Yes, I'm not in any way saying, but I'm saying that uh, the segregation of, of how we're treated with it, access to buildings is what I'm talking about. So I want to be really clear here because in no way am I trying to put us and the way that we're treated in the same way as people of color or any in any way am I trying to say it's the same, but it's not the same. <laughs> you know, it's I all going to come down to the same thing. It's going to be about money. Yeah. You know, going to get yes. pushed off and pacified. And yeah. <clears throat> and, I'm, okay. and I'm saying, yeah, I'm just not okay with it. <laughs> no. Well, now that we're talking about something that's pissing us off, let's get into something a little bit more direct. <clears throat> There was a recent article that appeared in the BBC News web, uh, website titled Influencer Vulnerable on Instagram over Disability Fetishism. That link to that article, folks, is going to be on the uh, Life's Road Trip website. 
we're talking about online harassment. What the hell? And it, tell us about that, mm. that stuff, please. It's not, it's not pretty. <laughs> it's not nice. Let's um, be open and a, honest it's about a very, it. Yeah, it's a very dark uh, side to the job that I love. Um, so when you're in the, when you're in the public eye, um, you, it, okay, so let's just say I have a business, I have a shop, but my shop happens to be online. Uh, I sell things, I sell concepts, I sell ideas, I, I sell um, the idea that you might want to buy this product, you know, I might want to, you know, that's what I do. That's what my shop is, basically, when I have my accounts online. Uh, I talk about things, I talk about ideas. But my landlord is uh, Instagram, Facebook, you know, YouTube, LinkedIn. Those platforms are my landlords. They provide space for me to talk about my products, my things. However, in the real world, we would have protection if the customers that were coming in were uh, weirdos. Let's just call them weirdos and perverts because okay. it's just the nicest way I can call them. Okay. Um, we would have protection. If they weren't very nice, uh, the landlords would be certainly in support of, of me saying, I don't want those weirdos and perverts coming in. So um, we're going to hire security guards or whatever. We're certainly not going to have them in the shop. They would be fine with that. But the trouble is with an online uh, marketplace where I am at the moment, I cannot control who comes in my shop. Um, because I'm a business, I can't have a private account. I can't control who comes to my shop. And there are not enough, um, uh, I've lost the words, settings and things like that, filters and settings for me to be able to get rid of these people. And I am being, not just me, lots of people are being harassed. But the difference is, when you are disabled, there is a very deep, dark side to it because then people have a big fetish for people who are disabled. And it's a very, it's very niche, I suppose. But um, I there's so. a huge market for it, a huge market. And it's because, I mean, Meta themselves, who own Facebook and Instagram, they class disabled people as vulnerable that's their that's their um description they they've decided that we are vulnerable people um and i would agree with them in that respect because i um you know somebody who's not in a wheelchair doesn't appeal to these people who they're, they're called devotees who who absolutely fetishize over um somebody who's in a wheelchair so they're not going to appeal to somebody in that way um I do. I do appeal to them. And I receive so many uh, messages. There are protections I can I can put in my messages. I can uh, put keywords to make sure I don't like receive them, but they go into a special folder, which I still have to check because um, messages from brands will go in there. I had one this morning from a, an eyewear glasses. I wanted to collaborate on a on a on a deal with me. It had gone into there, so if I don't go and check it, I I, I miss these deals. So you still have to see these messages, or um, sometimes uh, it'll they'll kid you. 
I've had the, the worst one ever. Uh, the photograph was of a woman. The name was Anna. So it looked like a genuine person. So I go in there to see if it's, a, you know, it's, it's gone in there by mistake. Because sometimes you don't, you don't know why they've gone into these hidden messages. You can't figure it out. So the, they've been put in there for whatever reason. It was definitely not a woman called Anna. And it was, there was videos, there was photos, there was, it was just the worst case ever. In fact, this particular one I've been told to go to the police with because it was that bad. Good. The worst I've ever had. Good. And I can't unsee yeah. this. It's going to be yeah. in my head forever. And I'm being told to just block it. Just block it, Sandy. You can block it and then that's fine. But that's the equivalent of having somebody in the street flash me and then the policeman saying, well, just close your eyes just close your because eyes. we're a bit too busy. We're a bit too busy to go and investigate or arrest that flasher. So um, if you could just walk on by with your eyes closed, that's the, probably the best thing you could do. And we know that people that do these things, this is a gateway offence. Flashing and online harassment is a gateway offence to stalking, which is a gateway offence to real life, going to people in real life, which is a gateway offence to attacking somebody. You know, these are these are things that lead to the next thing and the next thing and the next thing. This isn't something that people just think, oh, I'm a bit bored, I'll do that today. You know, it's, it does lead to other things. So it needs to be, we need to do more. And when this started... Uh, in 2021, I've, this has been going on for a very long time. When it first happened, our, my account got posted into a forum for these perverts and weirdos. And I was getting a thousand an hour followers. A thousand an hour. And can you imagine the amount of messages I was getting from those people? So it was, it was, I felt incredibly vulnerable, incredibly uh -huh. vulnerable. And all I could think of was, have I ever given away where I live? If any of the photos oh, that I've posted, Lord. could they possibly have put together where I lived? And I just felt sick. I felt so anxious and so sick. And But this is my place of work. I, I can't put my account to private because that's how I earn a living. So what am I supposed to do? You know, it's a very it's a very difficult situation, and um, I don't have an answer at the moment. I, I hope that there's uh, some source in Great Britain. I mean, obviously, the World Wide Web is worldwide. So you can't yes. have any governments governance there, but hopefully, mm -hmm. there's a, a group within Great Britain you can go to. And I know darn well because you're emotionally tied to this, and you're not afraid to speak up. You're going to have something to do about it, and and it, you're not going to, just going to be working for disabled disabled rights. You're going to be now working for the rights of people that are uh, making a living online. So, all right, let's uh, let's change direction a little bit, and this little sound will do that. Uh, the sound of the VW Beetle horn means it's time to shift gears with the road trip roundup. There's five questions I'm going to be throwing you, Sandy. Just kick back and answer them however you want to do it. Okay. When road okay. tripping, do you tend to do fast food or local diners? Now, I know Great Britain is nothing like the United States where you have fast food after fast food after fast food, but uh, take it with a little grain of salt. So when you're out road tripping, fast food or local diners? Um, 
go with local diners. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I you get a, because a taste for things. We do have, yeah, we probably because I would rather go and, yeah. We, we, I've been on a few road trips in, in the States, so I'd probably oh, rather okay. go and investigate and and see what they've got going on there. Yeah. If I had to, I'd go to the fast food. Like, if, if that's what I had to do, if it was then just a that's quick, what, you know. Okay. Yeah. Totally yeah. understandable. All right, question number two. What's your dream car for a road trip? Now, that could be something you grew up with in the family you have now or something you would just want to even rent. Oh, like? I don't know the names of these things, but I can describe it. It would be like a big RV, a big one. Yeah. I'd want a big comfy RV. Really? That you could, yeah. Because then you can, because I'm all about comfort. So I know, okay. I love to know that I could like just pull up somewhere. I could like pitch it down, whatever. We could have a barbecue somewhere. Yeah. I'd like, because I really love the outdoors and nature. So I could love to know that I could go into the forest or into the woods or along the coast and we could stop and just see the scenery. And I'd love to do that. That would be the kind of um, vehicle that I would like to do uh, a road trip in. Fascinating. I'll take that. Okay. Um, question number three. Last cassette or CD that played while you were on a road trip? Um, that would have been Pink. Oh, I have heard of. Okay, I know what you're talking about. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> just uh, is that more of a turn it up sort of music, or just nice yeah. and casual? Okay. Oh no, it. that would have been turn it up, sing it until my throat went okay. uh, sore and I couldn't speak anymore. <laughs> okay, those are the best. I I had someone last uh, last week had a guest uh, did Queen. That was definitely. Oh yeah, crank it. Just oh, yeah, for sure. With a good Absolutely. speaker system? You bet. Yeah. Okay. Question four, just straight up, Coke or Pepsi? Coke. Okay. <laughs> right. Question number five. Now, this is you carry this wherever you want to go, Sandy. Okay. Favorite road trip memory? Um, that would have been with my three children when they were really little, just us three. Um, going along the coast of Cornwall and oh. when we were driving along it was a really difficult time in our lives and we were going to see our oldest friends and there's a bit when you're coming through the country we always went through the countryside and there's a bit when you just you're waiting to come through the hills and as you crest over the top you see the first glimpse of the sea and then oh. all the sun is glinting off the sea and I can remember um, we were all kind of like waiting. Where's the sea? Where's the sea? And then it's the first person to shout, "There it is!" Oh, I can okay. See it. Oh, yeah. that's fantastic. Love that. Oh, yeah. that's fantastic. Family road trips are the best. Yeah, that's what we get. Into, yeah. So. Very cool. Um, I want to. Uh, we're going to sign off here in just a second. You and I see on for a moment after that. Okay, Sandy. So I'm just going to end it. with yeah. Thanks for listening. Ciao and chillax, everybody. Very nice. That was the longest um, uh, interview that I've done. I think we got into some stuff, and I'm allowing myself to get more emotional on some things. And you got into some things that really interest me. And I'm I'm learning, and I'm learning, and I'm learning about the disabled community. <clears throat> and I think you are a disruptor, 
And I really appreciate that. You've got to be. Oh, hello. There you go. Hello. You there? You there. Oh. Yeah, I lost you. Now then. we're back. Sorry, you're back now. No, just <laughs> talking about you again as a disruptor. Uh, I oh. really respect that. And um, I'm starting to get reach out to more guests. Um, what was the gentleman that is, he's missing arms and legs, basically, a black man. Um, Isaac. Yes. He and I have been communicating. Yeah. So I think Isaac is interested in being on the show. We'll do that sometime because he is, I believe, a disruptor as well. Yes. He has something yeah. to say. And, and I think yeah. that what you're getting into, you're, you're noticing things are starting to open up a little bit. And you're one of them right on the cusp, lady. And you've got to keep pushing that. And maybe it can, one of the little sides can be an, in opening the door is through fashion. And if you can get that up, because there's money in fashion, yeah, and that's where it's got to come from. You've got to change the way the people with the money think. Yeah, so exactly. Maybe they'll open it Thank up you. a little bit more. Yeah. I no, I. Okay. Uh, no, that was great. I okay, um good. I don't think I'm gonna have to really touch it up at all, except for my faux pas in the beginning, which I can get around. So we're cool on stuff, <laughs> right? Well, again, cool. um, you're you're uh, living in Cotswolds makes me think that's where. My wife had never been to Europe before. We were just there and we did Amsterdam and Paris and Bruges and London. And, mm -hmm. and I asked her, well, where do you want to go next? She said, to just go bopping around on Great Britain, get to Scotland and Ireland and through the Cotswolds. I told her about that. So very cool. Well, if okay. you do, um, let me know and I'll make sure to drop you some places you should definitely visit when you go to the Cotswolds. Definitely. There's some great pubs okay. out there, I'm sure. Yeah. Okay. okay. Well, you take care. We'll stay in touch on uh, LinkedIn, okay? Yeah, okay, Scott. Thank you. Okay, bye-bye. Bye. Thanks for listening. Check out previous episodes with new ones dropping each Tuesday. If you don't see a synopsis of this show where you're listening, visit our website at lifesaroadtrip.podbean.com for more information on this week's guest. This is your host, Scott Martin, reminding you that life's a road trip. 